This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another Tuesday edition of the Round Ball Stew podcast on NBC Sports Edge. We have a big breaking trade this afternoon, which is great fun. CJ McCollum is headed to New Orleans. We'll dive into all the fallout there. A lot of players involved in that trade, a lot of impact for big name players on both teams. We'll also talk some trade deadline stashes or potentially lack thereof. Jared will explain why there. Uh, we've got Gordon Hayward hurt his ankle on Monday and a whole lot more. Uh, first, a quick reminder to rate and subscribe on Round Ball Stew on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. It really does help us and we appreciate it. But we begin the Tuesday show, as usual, with a pickup of the day from the NBC Sports Edge Plus Season Tools. Today's pick comes not from Dr. A, but from Zach Hanchu. You can find Zach on Twitter at ZachTheMonster. That's Z-A-K, the monster. He's coming in with Udoka Azubuki, who he notes is only 2% rostered currently. The second-year center, he writes, drew his third straight start Monday and came up with seven points, 14 rebounds, and three swats in a career-best effort. He started the last three games for Utah, including two in which Hassan Whiteside was available. In those three starts, the Kansas product has averaged 8.3 points, 11.7 rebounds, and 1.7 blocks. Azubuki needs to be rostered and streamed for as long as Rudy Gobert is out. Now, Gobert is out with a calf injury. He's day-to-day, as far as we know. Jarrett, that was a very long, elaborate lead-up to introducing you, of course. <laughs> my my co-host, Jared Johnson. Jared, you wrote much the same thing about Azubuki prior to me reading Zach, Zach's words there. So what, what are your thoughts on him? Yeah, I think as long as Rudy Gobert is off the floor, he's someone that's kind of worth having on your roster. You read off the stats. And I think most importantly is the past couple games, he's been starting ahead of Hassan Whiteside. Hassan Whiteside has been available. He's been coming off the bench. So that speaks volumes to me. Maybe more about Hassan Whiteside than it does about Azubuki. But yeah, hey, um, (laughs) so do you have like the same general take about? Yeah. About. Yeah. And, you know, sort of both sides of the coin last night, we saw a young guy who looked kind of out of his depth in the first half versus the Knicks. Uh, he made Mitch Robinson look like an all-star in the first half, essentially. <laughs> he did. Mitch Mitch Rob went off. I don't know if we'll have time to talk about him later, but he ended up finishing with 19 points, 21 rebounds, two steals, three blocks, shot eight of 11. You know, had his way in the first half. But to his credit, Azubuki came back in the second half, accepted the challenge, was much more physical, made life a little bit more difficult for Mitch Rob. So he's got some intriguing potential but this is just such a temporary situation and i think given where we are in this season it's just not a great time to pick him up because you're streaming a guy with a short-term window of value heading into the trade deadline when transactions and weekly leagues are at an absolute premium i mean we saw this big trade go down today like you're going to want all of your transactions available for these potential speculative pickups whatever it might be as a bookie to me as a guy who we know after this week is 
and certainly after the All-Star break, is probably yes. going to fall by the wayside. I'm not all that intrigued. Yeah. Fair points. So let's get into that. Let's get into having transactions available for this deadline. I am firmly in the camp of I don't pay attention at all to trade deadline rumors, nor do I have stashes because as we've seen time and again, with all the trades we've seen, they're not trades that we heard about. Like when I went to bed last night, I think the last report I saw was that Philly was the most active in the CJ McCollum trade talks. I don't even remember reading about New Orleans. And then this morning, he he is sent to New Orleans. Mm -hmm. But anyways, uh, I just think in general, throughout the years, it's it's rare that we see players truly gain value from a trade. Often we see, I think, like a star player lose a little bit of value when a third star is added. You know, we have the example of Kelly Olenek going to Houston last year, which was another trade that I don't think anyone saw coming, nor was anyone stashing Olenek. And we also saw we saw the Christian Wood trade a couple of years back. Not the Christian Wood trade, but Andre Drummond was shipped out of Detroit, which allowed Christian Wood to make his appear on the scene, I suppose. But in general, we haven't seen much. So just going through the trades we've seen this year, Rondo traded to Cleveland. Eh. I don't Mayi Oni, I'd probably pronounce that wrong. He was traded to OKC. All right. Mm-hmm. The super ultra weird trade of Cam Reddish apparently being sent to detention in New York to ride the bench. I they gave up a first round pick for that one. That's quite the odd one. And Kevin Knox. We saw Bryn Forbes, Bull Bull, and Wancho Ernan Gomez move around in a three-way deal that impacted no one. <laughs> we saw Norman Powell and Rocco head to LA for Bledsoe, Justice Winslow, and Keon Johnson. Hmm. I guess that's a boost for Norm, but he was rostered everywhere. It's not like that's someone that you... And there were, I didn't pick up anyone after that trade happened. We saw Levert go to Cleveland for mm-hmm. an injured Ricky Rubio. I mean, does I guess that impacts Dean Wade, who right. also wasn't worth rostering. <laughs> and then that brings us to this morning where we saw a big trade of a lot of players moving around between Portland and New Orleans. But before that, I believe we have a promo read. Oh, very good, Jared. We, we do. And it's uh, <laughs> now this will be irrelevant to you because you're already a wise NBC Sports Edge Plus subscriber. But if you're not, there is an NBA midseason offer available. Uh, you can get 20% off an Edge Plus annual subscription throughout February when you use promo code STU20. That's right. You heard it right. We have our own promo code now. So everybody, please, <laughs> STU20. Uh, you can finish your... <laughs> fantasy regular season strong and your fantasy postseason we should add to the copy to go to you can go to <laughs> nbcsportsedge.com slash edge plus use promo code stew 20 at checkout and save 20 percent today so yes jared you queued me up nicely both for the promo read and for the cj mccollum trade which just to you know we're still wrapping our heads around this that it just broke before we hit record here so the blazers are set to receive josh hart tomas sadaransky Nikhil alexander walker i'm gonna mispronounce this one but didi lozada lozada a 2022 protected first round pick and two second round picks meanwhile the pelicans receive cj mccollum larry nance and tony snell now Interesting for a bunch of reasons. You mentioned the fact that we had never really heard New Orleans in the discussion here. 
there's talk about, you know, the Pelicans have won three straight games. Blazers have lost five. So to me, this is good mm-hmm. for CJ McCollum. We'll get into some of the fantasy impact. But in the real world, it seems like New Orleans is making a push. You know, they're in play-in position. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, the math has changed on which teams are even going to vie for the playoffs because now there are available spots with the play-in. They're going for it, it looks like. To me, you look at the construction of this roster, it still doesn't look like a team that's built to win, to be a legitimate contender. I see more messaging to Zion Williamson, like, hey, we know this team started 1-12 and this season, (laughs) but look, we've got some young talent, we're gaining some traction, we're now bringing in an established star, you know, a reliable veteran scorer who can come in, take some pressure off you, make life easier for teammates, etc., a show of good faith, if you will, like we'll we'll make the moves, whatever it ne- it takes to put a contending team around you, Zion. You know, I think Woj, it was reported that as the Pelicans wait for Zion to return, they made this trade. Right. That doesn't give us much information one way or the other about is Zion returning this season? If so, when? It, that's just been a completely opaque situation. Where Interesting phrase to use, though. Yeah, it. It was. It was a little too vague for me to read much into, especially when we didn't even know about Zion surgery when it first happened. Then the Pelicans right. completely downplayed it, only to find yeah. out, of course, it was more serious than we thought. Then he had a target date. That got pushed back multiple <laughs> times now. Like, why would we suddenly now think, oh, because they traded for McCollum, it must mean Zion's returning. No. So I'm, I'm not giving that read to the situation. But yeah, McCollum goes to a team that seems like they're going to vie for the plan, if nothing else. To me, a huge win as a CJ McCollum manager. He goes from an obvious shutdown risk if he's not dealt before the trade deadline and Dame doesn't come back to suddenly, sure, let, let's see what happens in New Orleans. And Jared, even if they fall out of the play-in contention, to me, you have McCollum on this new roster with all these young players. You're trying to, as I said, show Zion Williamson what the future can look like here. I think there's plenty of incentive to keep CJ on the court, if not until the very bitter end, at least until the end of most head-to-head fantasy playoffs, yeah. just to build chemistry, all those things. So I, it's an unequivocal bonus to me if you have McCollum on your roster today. Yeah, and CJ isn't really a guy who enjoys sitting out games um you kind of you have to force him to not play so yeah and he's missed his fair share with injuries so i'm sure he's eager to get out there and play when he's healthy yeah exactly so just getting into some of the dynamic larry nance jr was a guy who was very much intriguing to me until we got that report yesterday or the day before that he had a setback in his rehab and just is kind of still without this timetable but the I, I mean, assuming he's traded, I guess it's not all that serious. He has to pass a physical. But I, I'd assume if and when he does come back to the floor, he does intrigue me a bit in New Orleans, assuming Zion Williamson isn't quite there. And I do think if and when he does return, this is not the best news mm-hmm. for a very fun player, Jackson Hayes, who is, who is playing really well. Um, now, Nance is still out, but it just adds an element that's a negative, whereas he, he seemed to be trending up. Herb Jones, I think that he'll mostly be fine. He's not really a guy who needs shots. If anything, CJ can can kind of set him up and drive and kicks and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I don't know if you have any anything more to say on, on New Orleans' side of fantasy value or whatnot. Not a ton. I mean, 
Herb Jones, I'm not too worried about, frankly. He's a low usage guy. You know, he's going to get his value with steals. He's going to get his value with efficient offense when it flows through him. You know, very much a guy who can benefit from, as you said, a player like CJ spraying the ball out to him for catch and shoot threes. So I, I think he'll be fine. And he only needs 30 minutes a game to be a top 75 player. So not worried there. Nance, you mentioned he hasn't played since January 5th. Yeah. And we did just have that setback is definitely concerning, especially for, you know, it's a lower body injury for a veteran with a long injury history. Yeah, it, it, it's not shaping up well, and certainly he wouldn't qualify as one of these stashes we're talking about. It, it does put a dent in Jackson Hayes a little bit for me, but not so much so that I'd be cutting Hayes. You know, I'm not fretting to that extent, especially because we don't know right. when Nance is going to return. Uh, ironically, the last update we have on Zion Williamson, by the way, was from January 5th, the last time Larry Nance played. <laughs> and the update was simply that Zion is not with the team, that he's rehabbing away from the team. So right. no clarity there, but we will for sure, obviously, I feel like a lot of attention that that question is going to suddenly be very prominent is, oh, so is Zion returning? If so, when? So hopefully New Orleans will actually address that and the front office will give even a tiny bit of clarity as to when that might happen. But yeah, it's it's an interesting situation, I guess. Let's talk about Damian Lillard for a second, because is he a player who you're holding through the deadline? That's my perspective, I guess. You might as well hold him through Thursday. Yes, I would say might as well. Yeah. Okay. But I'm just... These trades that Portland has been making, they've not been making Portland better. They have set up Portland to have a lot of money to spend this summer mm -hmm. when guys like... Harden and Beal and Levine and JV amongst others will be free agents. But this year um, doesn't look great. They're losing games. They just traded away their best scorer. Uh, they traded away Norm Powell the other week. Yeah. And uh, they're bringing back role players who aren't capable of carrying this team. So I'm just incredibly nervous about Dame coming back at all this season. <sighs> And it's it's weird it's it's weird to to kind of do Dame is thirty one years old going on thirty two. They'll have sixty million to spend this summer, but mm -hmm. man, th th I, I just don't feel like they're they're being very uh, willy nilly about this man's prime. And I don't know. It's uh, I w I would be a, a little bit surprised to see him return at this point. I don't know if you're as down on him as I am, but. No, I mean, probably at, at least as down. In fact, even holding him through the deadline feels like an exercise in futility and wishful thinking. Like, it's almost definite he's not going to come back. I mean, Woj, Woj wrote, uh, that's just my perspective. Woj wrote, Portland's plan is to fully reshape the roster around Damian Lillard now. Portland created a $21 million trade exception and potentially will have $60 million in salary cap space this summer, plus multiple draft picks and assets via these trades. Plan is to pursue high-end talent now, not retreat. So unless now means literally in the next 48 hours, they're going to they're flip all <laughs> of these sort of, you know, afterthought assets that they've collected, future seconds and spare parts and turn it into and cap space and turn that into productive players that will put Dame in this Blazers roster over the top to become contenders this season when Dame is already recovering from core surgery that he's been dealing right. with for years. There's a, <laughs> there's a lot in that <laughs> statement that is not plausible. So... I don't see it happening. 
it, it certainly sounds like Portland is no longer entertaining trading Dame at all. So that takes away the avenue of, well, if he gets dealt somewhere and he's healthy, et cetera. So yeah, it, like I said, I guess might as well hold Dame, but it's shaping up to be basically a lost season. Um, yes. Brutal, brutal news, but yeah, hang on to him through the deadline. Hope for the best, I suppose. Right. But this this seems, to your point, like you've got a guy in his prime, 31 going on 32, and you're going to, what, rebuild next summer with, with young guys or, you know, try to bring in one max salary free agent. It, I don't know. I don't see it. And this front office is in disarray. And Portland historically is not a free agent destination. I mean, they've, they've no, swung yeah. and missed time and time again. So to say the least, and they've been a little bit hesitant to open up the paycheck, which has caused right. some consternation in the past. Now they've got, you know, front office was in turmoil earlier this season. They've got a, a new head coach, a new front office regime. Like yep. it's, there's a lot going on there, but not shaping up well. It is shaping up well, however, for, I think, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, who suddenly becomes maybe option 1B offensively. Uh, if Nurk is there, maybe he's option 2. With It was Simons in that upper tier. But no matter how you cut it, this is a better role than he was in this morning. Yes. Coming off, coming off the bench, you know, as a sort of sixth man for the Pelicans. Whether his inefficiency will allow him to be a fantasy asset yes. the rest of the season remains to be seen. That preseason hype has clearly worn off. You know, the, the bloom is off the rose. He'll be available anywhere you want him. So if you, you know, as far as speculative trade line grabs, he's fine. You, you got a high volume guy who can potentially fill it up. Definitely in a points league, I would go grab him immediately. Should be sufficient counting stats. Uh, but he, you know, of all the players that we've mentioned, he jumps out as someone worth, worth grabbing. Yeah, I got I, I picked him up this morning. So you touched on it. The efficiency is is going to be whether or not he can be uh, successful is going to be whether or not he can hit close to at least 40 plus percent of his shots. I'm not even looking at 50. I'm looking at hopefully over 40 percent um, <laughs> because it, it, it was brutal when he was getting plenty of opportunity early in the year as a starter. So maybe a change of scenery will do him well. I think that's pretty much the extent of the of the guys I would want to add after this trade. I, I think that Josh Hart will be fine. He'll basically do his best to try to fill in what CJ was doing, or I guess Norm, however you want to say it. And that's basically it. Mm -hmm. I, I, I don't see any other any other great ads on Portland's end. But I think Anthony Simons will be fine. I'm not worried about Eric Bledsoe's arrival, yada, yada. Yeah. Man, a whole lot of sort of shrugs going on for me in, in this <laughs> right. whole situation with both of these trades like josh hart okay but is he in a better position than he was in new orleans i'm not convinced yeah you know then you've yeah even the guys like justice winslow potentially could have a nice role but he's deeply inefficient so even if he gets 30 minutes yes. a game somehow it's not even a guarantee of eight cat nine cat value so man a lot, lot more questions than answers for fantasy but i will say to close this section on a positive note i think this is great news if you have Jonas valanciunas on your rosters when they were one in 12 to begin this season i instantly started sounding the alarm bells like wow this is a really really bad team and you've got Jonas valanciunas yeah. why would they play him in march if things keep trending in this direction well mercifully things have improved now with the cj mccollum trade it locks in okay they're not gonna shut him down they're gonna go for it so a huge win yeah. if you're a JV manager. Yeah. All right.
Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Jared, again, I think you've already done this, but everyone listening should download the NBC Sports Predictor app powered by PointsBet and enter Wednesday's free NBA pick and roll contest for a chance to win $50,000. This week, we're highlighting matchups between the Bulls and Hornets, Timberwolves and Kings, and Lakers and Trailblazers. So if you don't have the Predictor app yet, download it now. All right, we've mentioned... You know, an argument against trade deadline speculation and preemptive stashing and something that this McCollum trade reminds us, and I think you've already mentioned, is that this came as a surprise. Yes. So there would have been no way to speculatively stash these players. And I say this every year, but it bears repeating. Anytime you hear a public leak about Team A and Team B discussing Player Z or whatever, teams are inquiring about Player X like 99.9% of the time, that's just coming directly from an agent or a team's front office with an incentive. You know, they're either trying to make their clients seem more in demand than they are, or they're trying to give the impression that this player is disgruntled so that a team will be more likely to trade them. Whatever the angle is, it's an angle, right? Right. So how are we, as people on the sidelines of these conversations, supposed to parse that and know what's real and what isn't? And I mean, even... You, you talk to other, you know, hear interviews with agents and front offices and so forth, and they'll tell you, you know, over and over, most of what you hear is nonsense. Like, just don't listen to it. So that's why in terms of actual speculative stashes, picking guys up now, using those precious transactions to try to get ahead of things, I th- it's excessively difficult. Two players I, I definitely will still stash who are rostered in 50% or fewer of leagues. The higher rostered player, Davion Mitchell, He's obviously, you know, I feel like we've talked about him a lot. He's coming on lately. The Kings could blow things up. Fox isn't untouchable anymore, that kind of stuff. But he's still only rostered in 49% of Yahoo leagues. So I would go get him. A rookie with very interesting statistical profile. The steals have started to come up critically. He's making his shots lately. I think he's around 45% shooting over the past week or two, a couple weeks. So that's hugely positive. I would definitely stash him. And then a guy that I devoted... I feel like half of last Tuesday's pod too. And that's Isaiah Jackson, 
who instantly <laughs> upon getting picked up everywhere got hurt hasn't played since i know <laughs> right frustrating but it, it leaves the door Very open because he's only now he's only rostered in 23 percent of leagues because i feel like a lot of the people who picked him up expecting a hot free agent were left with dmps got frustrated and cut him Let's not lose sight of why we were excited about this player. Uh, Indiana just traded Carlos Levert. They are clearly blowing things up. Miles Turner's hurt. He's one of the preeminent trade chips out there to go with Jeremy Grant, probably. So to me, that's just a no-brainer. 23% is way too low. Please go get Isaiah Jackson. <laughs> uh, yeah, I agree. I agree with both those points. And I don't think that even a trade needs to happen for Isaiah Jackson to realize his potential. I just think that Indiana needs to keep losing games. And it would make sense to shut down Sabonis. And then there you go. Uh, I really, I am highly skeptical of Miles Turner returning this season. That He's dealing with a stress fracture. It's a terrible injury. It often has setbacks when players come back too soon. And like you said, they shipped off Karras. So it doesn't seem like they're all that interested in, in trying to win. Mm-hmm. So just Isaiah Jackson is someone I want on my roster. It has been incredibly frustrating. <laughs> he had this yeah. amazing game, and and I guess he hurt his ankle in that game because went on to miss the next three. But I am sticking with him. Davion, same thing. He has played excellent as of late. And this thing with De'Aaron Fox missing, is, is it eight straight now with a sore ankle? That he had an MRI which confirmed it was a sore ankle? And if you look at this interview that mm-hmm. he gave recently, he honestly seemed confused as to why he wasn't playing. Oh, really? I missed that. Yeah, he was speaking to the media. He seemed very fine. He actually went through a practice on Monday. Tyrese Halliburton said that he looked like himself. He was jumping. uh, He was throwing down dunks. So this looks to me like a team that wants to get Fox out of here, despite the reporting we've heard. And if that's the case, it would be to do so in order to give more minutes to Tyrese Halliburton and Davion Mitchell. And both of those guys have been off the charts awesome since Fox went down. Mm -hmm. So I agree with both those statements. Uh, Another guy that had a good game last night was Trey Mann. He's been playing pretty well since SGA went down with the ankle injury, I believe. Eight starts, he's averaging 13.8 points, 2.8 triples, and 1.3 three steals he does have some warts to his game not he's not efficient the assists haven't really been Mm -hmm. there and the turnovers have as with as is the case with most rookies but he's a guy that i added in in a relatively deep league the other night and a guy that i think is kind of worth a look in more leagues that he's only rostered in 10% of Yahoo leagues. And I think that number should be a bit higher Mm -hmm. based on the way he's been playing as of late. I'm with you. I I do struggle to view him as more than a streaming guy while SGA is out, but sure. There's some rest of season potential here. You're talking about a first round pick on a terrible team. I think I'm a little bit Mm -hmm. hesitant to to jump in just because Okay, young guys on OKC have burned me so many times in recent years. And <laughs> I, you know, I think I, I jotted down that they seem to have a near monopoly on young, interesting upside guys who will absolutely decimate your percentages. <laughs> uh, you know, last year, Teo Maladon, you've got Poku, you've got Darius Baisley, who I, I want to talk about in a second. Now, Trey Mann in those eight starts, he's shooting 35% from the field with 1.6 assists and 2.1 turnovers. He's been better lately, minutes way up recently in February. The dimes have increased a tad, but he's not 
a guard who's going to win you assists. So if he's also hurting you in turnovers and percentages, or at least field goal percentage, you know, it's a bit of a heavy lift. But then again, potential's there. Like I said, young player, bad team. You never know. So there are worse stashes out there. And another guy who I say stash is not because of a trade. It's just the nature of the beast in OKC. Young guys' minutes are going to go up. So that's that. But speaking of Darius Baisley, I think I'm falling for him again, Jared. It's a... It's a mistake. Like, I know I've been burned before, but here we go again. Monday versus Golden State, he looked good. He had 20 points, 8 of 16 shooting, 8 boards, 2 triples, 1 steal. You know, in watching that game, you'd you'd be forgiven for thinking that he could shoot the ball. <laughs> Two solid straight games. His minutes in February were way up, 36 minutes, 36 minutes, then 37 and 37. In those games, he's averaging 10 rebounds plus 1.7 steals, 1.3 blocks. He's got at least one three-pointer in six straight games. Those are all the positive things. So let me pause there. And are you know, are you on board? Are you are you gonna buy in with Baisley, pick him up, see where this goes, or have you been burned before and you're staying away? Am I gonna pick him up? Um or have you already? I think they have a four-game week, so I don't I mean, I, I'm not against it. I didn't pick him up anywhere, but I have been noticing him lately. Um, and I, I think it's, it's because... That's how it starts, Jer- Jared. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's because Jeremiah Robinson Earl went down, and that really uh, allowed him to start getting minutes in the mid-upper 30s. And when he's getting minutes in the mid-upper 30s, I'm interested. I know that he will really hurt your field goal percentage. But I like his ability to kind of offer a little bit of everything to the box score, particularly the the defensive stats and the triples. Mm-hmm. That's what makes him an attractive asset to me. As long as Jeremiah Robinson Earl is out, um, I think that's the key here. I would go even further. I'd say even with Robinson Earl healthy, I think like, yes, for sure, in the short term, that's been a catalyst to Baisley getting going. But I got to think that he'll get more minutes regardless, because who else is the front court depth currently? You've got Kenrick Williams, who can play some power forward. I think most of his minutes come there. But behind JRE at center, you've had this weird platoon. Derek Favors has started a bunch of games. Well, he's definitely gone by the trade deadline. That's just that's just me talking. I mean, he can't say that. Let's see if you can pronounce the next name here, because I don't know how to Mike Muscala? Moose. Or or who who are you talking about? Oh, Mamadi Diake? Yes. I don't know anything about him. (laughs) He started started a couple games, but I think Favors replaced him. Yeah. So it's just a messy situation. But of that grouping, I think Baisley is the obvious one to get more minutes, and he's got fantasy upside. Was it the bubble where we saw him post, like, top 80 value for the final six weeks of the season, something like that? Yeah, when the shot was falling. Yeah, we. it's always those examples that, like, are seared in my memory. I'm like, I know he's got it in him. We just need to (laughs) just a little more efficient shooting the ball. But he has actually regressed at the arc. He's at a career low. This is Darius Baisley. Career low 28.5% from threes. His shooting, if nothing else, has been admirably consistent in his three-year career. 39.4% shooting as a rookie. Past two years, both an identical 39.6%. And he's sub-70% from the free-throw line. So I'm not exaggerating when I mention the inefficiency. Like It's going to lose you weeks in head-to-head matchups, probably. So be very cautious before you add him. But the upside's great enough. It's probably worth a shot. All right, last, you know... 
I looked through the box scores. This was prior to the CJ McCollum trade blowing up what we were going to talk about. Um, <laughs> but there were some guys, a couple guys, just kind of fall into the boring middle ground category. Not high upside guys, not obvious players who were just trying to determine what the rest of the season might be. But guys who fall in the middle who seem to always hover around fantasy rosters without doing much. I'll talk, you know, for the Wizards, for instance, a guy like Corey Kispert. He's a rookie. He's been getting some playing time. Occasionally, he looks very good. Then he goes on long stretches where he does nothing. Uh, I wrote that he's doing his best Duncan Robinson impression, getting points, like three-pointers, <laughs> not much else. He might be like a slightly upgraded version of Duncan Robinson this year, at least. Like, I, I like Kispert's outlook in D.C., as I mentioned, a, a young high draft pick on a very bad team. I feel like the Wizards, you know, it's an if-when situation of when they just give up on this year, but the play-in is definitely changing the calculus. Maybe DC manages to hover around long enough that Kispert is never truly unleashed, and he he's just a, like, low to mid-20 minutes guy, in which case, forget it. But if the wheels fall off and they're like, just let the young kids play, and he's getting 35 minutes a night, then... I think there's something there because although the supporting stats aren't great, he's a natural scorer. He can help you in multiple categories, not going to kill your percentages. And he, he just needs a couple rebounds and steals. Does he intrigue you at all? Or am I barking up the wrong tree? Intrigue me. I don't know about intrigue. <laughs> you kind of, you spelled it out. He's not that exciting. Um, I, I guess in a, in a deep league, if I needed points and triples, sure. Okay. Um, the Eastern Conference is really wild this year. There's three teams who are one, no, two teams who are one game out of the play-in. Atlanta's all the way down at the 10 spot. And the distance between the first seed and the 10 spot is 10 games. I mean, it's like, uh, and, and then in the Western Conference, it's absolutely nothing like that. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I feel like that play-in tournament could kind of, keep him from relevancy mm -hmm. I, it's a little bit disappointing that he's this disappointing while bradley beal is out that's a good point i don't know it's just washington is just a mess uh like look at their front court i feel like I, I, where is the value i mean kyle kuzma has been good and everyone else has been mediocre to bad um I don't know what's going on in the front court with a billion different options. Mm -hmm. uh, Montrez Harrell has fallen out of favor in this weird timeshare with Thomas Bryant and uh, Daniel Gafford, who's Daniel Gafford is not even worth rostering. I'm seeing him hit the waiver wire everywhere as to be expected. I don't know. That's like a lot of depressing stuff about Washington. I and that's know. okay. I don't, yeah. know how to, I don't know how to close that one out. Not a, I mean, we've had segments on this pod before. I think OKC was one of them where it's just like pretty bleak at times. Not every team is going to be yeah. great. You know, I talked on the four by five about how truly phenomenal Toronto's starting five is for fantasy. Like, you know, every time they, they go out, what you're going to get. Love that kind of reliability. Yes. The Wizards seem right. It's just chaos. And where there's chaos, there's opportunity. The key is just like you sift through some of the, you know, I like to turn to per 36 minute stats per 30 stats, something more reasonable even. It's not hard math to do once you've got it in front of you. 
but there just aren't a lot of guys whose statistical profiles even bode well should they get more playing time. Now, Thomas Bryant, I think, is still probably under-rostered. Uh, I quite like him. And I quite like Gafford going into the trade deadline because there was some report about the Wizards, you know, seeing what they could get for Harrell potentially in a trade. Uh, I think Harrell will be an unrestricted free agent this summer. So especially if Washington's looking ahead, like we've got Thomas Bryant and we've got Daniel Gafford on our roster. Sure, Harrell brings the energy, whatever intangible locker room stuff you want to talk about. He also got into a fight with Kintavious Caldwell Pope. So there's a miss that one. That that <laughs> that energy cuts both ways. But um, in any case, like if Harrell's gone, suddenly Gafford and Bryant, even in a 50-50 split at center, both of those guys could be top 100. That's fine. You just need to get Harrell out of there, simplify the rotation a little bit, um, let fantasy managers know what they're going to get night to night. Yeah. So I'm not totally against keeping those centers on your roster through the deadline. And that includes Harold because who knows where he lands up could be a favorable spot. And another guy who only needs 24, 26 minutes a night. Yeah. So yeah, I, the centers I would keep on my roster. I'm okay with that. Um, like Hachimura, no, thank you. Statistically, he doesn't do anything terrible rebounder for a guy, his size, he has his moments, but in general, the, the rebounding numbers are not kind to him. Um, I mean, who else jumps out? Denny Avdiha has had some moments. He's actually defensive stats have been pretty good. So he's a guy on my kind of radar, but not someone I'm picking up actively. There's just too much going on there. It's just Davis Bertans, Rui Hachimura, Kyle Kuzma, Montrez Harrell. Like this team only believes in centers and wings i suppose wings. <laughs> yeah yeah um, it's a weird team so yeah kcp hasn't been doing much lately he's probably a trade candidate it really depends how the wizards are viewing the rest of the season do you think that kcp is someone you should have rostered in standard leagues i kind of thought that he was going to have opportunity while mm -hmm. bradley beal was out and it's been the opposite of that and i'm just i have him in like a a 12 to 14 teamish league and i'm mm -hmm. not sure it's doing me any services like i feel like i would do better with streaming that spot how do you feel about kcp almost definitely yes i think early in the season there were there was a time where he was doing pretty solid top 100 but even going in we know like he's an eight cat particularly nine cat player you don't want to go anywhere near him in really dfs yeah. or any points leagues so he's already a a specialist within the realm of fantasy hoops. And then on top of that, he needs sufficient playing time to, in order for his three and D type play to hit. And he's not quite getting that. So right. no, I'm fine moving on because his ceiling doesn't justify and the uncertainty of his situation. And the fact that if he stays in DC through the trade deadline, he's a glaring shutdown risk. So for all of those reasons and more, I would, I would move on a player too. Like there are sort of those nine cat, guys who we know can be useful like dorian finney smith is one i tend to just pick up and then cut three days later because i'm like eh, do i really need yeah, 1.2 steals this badly yeah. i i don't think so <laughs> so no i'm fine moving on from kcp fine moving on from dfs whoever else you throw into that mix yeah that's about it oh one more topic we should hit on quickly before we get out of here jared and that was gordon hayward hurting his ankle on yeah. Monday, he left early. I think he only played six minutes. There was, yeah, so, you know, it didn't look great. Uh, he had an X, 
he laid on the ground for two possessions. They didn't call a timeout or foul anyone. Two possessions, he laid on the ground, and then he hobbled to the locker room. Very bad looking, very bad looking. And uh, Gordon Hayward and ankle stuff mm -hmm. were no stranger to being here. He had an x-ray, which I didn't hear the results of, but presumably it was negative or or that would have come out. Yeah. You know, it's basically just a wait and see situation is the only quote we got from Coach James Borrego. The good news here, I guess, is that the all-star break is nearly upon us, right? So true. if you can, you know, maybe a week of DMPs and then Hayward will get an extended break to, to heal. But yeah, you're talking an injury-prone guy with an ankle sprain that did not look good. I missed the fact that he laid on the court for two minutes after it, but I did see replays of the play. It twist, twisted pretty well. So he could be out a while. In his absence, who, who, if anyone, really, are you looking to pick up? Charlotte is a pretty set-in-stone rotation. I feel like we know what's going to happen most of the time. Cody Martin would be the guy my mind goes to for a reasonable pickup who's going to you know hit for 8-cat, for 9-cat cat value. But he's currently nursing his own, I think, Achilles injury. So Yeah, it was a sore Achilles. Oh, okay. I think that Kelly Oubre, I mean, he's he's rostered in 76% of Yahoo leagues, but he's clearly the guy who benefits most in my mind. Cody Martin, sure. I think it felt like more of a rest day since it was just a sore Achilles. He could benefit. I think that perhaps Jalen McDaniels, who is also hurt, <laughs> maybe once he gets back... It, I, I want to make sure that I'm right on that, that he's still hurt. Yep, he's still hurt. What is it with? Mm -hmm. I don't remember, but he's been out for a while now. So maybe I'm saying something completely that's uh, offhand and irrelevant. But I think it's basically Kelly Oubre, Co Cody Martin. Those are the, the two main guys. And um, Cody Martin still with Kelly Oubre healthy is kind of meh, more of a deep league guy, kind of uh, dimes and steals. Um, but inconsistent scoring and inconsistent kind of across the board stats. Yeah. One, one other player who I'll throw out there, and this is the only other player I really have to recommend to close the loop here would be PJ Washington, who yeah. simply because of his versatility, I think it's not like he's a pure backup five. He can play multiple positions. He can bump yeah. miles bridges down to small forward, whatever it might be. And that's what we saw. I mean, last night, Charlotte basically ran a six-man rotation after halftime. Ish Smith got, got a handful of minutes, but that was it. It was, you know, a very, very tight rotation, and PJ played, I want to say, 31 minutes, 33, somewhere in there. So mm -hmm. we know what he can do when he gets the time in any fantasy format, really. He's great. He's just been – he was hurt or – was it COVID? I can't remember at this point, but he was out for a while, point being in the beginning of the year. And since then, he's been in that bench role, uh, minutes depressed a little bit. So unfortunately, right. he hasn't been able to partake of the fantasy goodness that most of his Hornets teammates have been. But this could be a great opportunity. So I, I love him as a short-term guy, you know, because this is true too. We talk about the luxury of stashing players through the deadline and stuff. Not all fantasy managers can do that. Sometimes you're looking at the standings and going, I'm in eighth. I need to get to sixth and I have three weeks left to do it. Right. I got to win. So right. that's fine too. For right. Then, you know, forget the stashing. Just try to go out and win. I do that plenty myself. Uh, you know, cut, stream, do what you have to do. And PJ Washington could be a great player to get you a step closer. I agree with that. Yeah. Awesome. Mm -hmm. All right, Jared. Well, we covered a lot of ground. Big trade. We'll give that some more thought. I'm sure there's going to be plenty more to talk about in the days to come. And next Tuesday, when we look back at what was in the trade deadline a week from now. 
<laughs> Good luck, Jared, and I'll see you next week. Adios. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.